friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano, joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Tomorrow's my birthday. That's the good news. The bad news is that I am so old that the only way that anybody's going to detect, detect my age is if either A, I get cut in half and my rings are counted like a sequoia, or B, I go to the lab and get carbon dated. Oh, no. What is it uh, George Burns used to say? Like shooting pool with a rope? Something like that. You know, uh, the the podcast crowd can't see it. I wanted to start before we get into the, the talk this week. Obviously, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about our review for the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. We got some news for the week to go over, kind of looking at where, where everything's going moving forward. Um, the, the audio crowd at home can't see. Benny, your background's a picture of Paul Orndorff. I just want to... I, we want to talk about that first, that video. We, we posted it, and then um, after some consideration, took it back down. Uh, there's a, a video circulating his son posted of him in the hospital in very bad shape. Uh, his mind is clearly gone. His body seems to be following. Uh, CTE, dementia is a bastard. And, I mean, I, it's, it's, it sucks to see it because he was always one of the ones that, that was always lucid, that seemed to take care of himself. And you just can't, you know, how, how was it? Uh, uh, I think it was uh, our, our buddy Granahan that said, time, time's the champion that beats everybody. It's like JR says, father time doesn't do any jobs. Yeah, fa- father time won't do the job. So, I mean, our, obviously the, the brigade, you and me, and then the brigade, our thoughts go out to him. I know Absolutely. we have a lot of, a lot of Orndorff fans in, among our, on our page, and it was, you know, you, you you want to say you hope for the best, but you're past that point already. This is- I, I just want to, you know, for now, try to remember him as he was probably one of the most intense and believable heels ever. Exactly. And he was, a re- I mean, I know they called him Mr. Wonderful, but he was really Mr. Reliable. You'd never, you'd never hear anything about him. No showing, no selling, refusing to work. Um, actually, the I know in uh, his later biography he was apparently the backup plan going into wrestlemania 3 because there was a period where they weren't sure if andre's health was going to hold up and and i mean to to you had the largest crowd in at the, at the time in wrestling history you had you know what was the largest pay-per-view in, in history at the time and you were willing to put mr orndorff in the main event that shows the faith the company right. had in him and and that they knew he and hogan could have could have torn the house down so you want to, like I said, you want to hope for the best, but I, we're past that point, unfortunately. So yeah. thoughts with him and his son, it can't be easy, especially, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, it's a shame. It's, it's one of those things that's out there. I, I'd be torn to whether to encourage people to watch it because, you know, you, you don't want to, you can clearly, I mean, I, you, you, in the video, based on what he's saying, I understand why his son recorded it and posted it but it's still heartbreaking to see so, thoughts with him um to a a lighter note happier note um we wanted to talk last week we did our predictions show for the hell in the cell pay-per-view that was uh aired 
couple of days ago. We're recording this on a Wednesday, so we've got not only the uh, Raw, uh, following Raw, but also the Tuesday shows. So we can, uh, which, uh, NXT, I want to touch on a little bit of where they're going with that. And uh, so we'll get into the review. Benny, before we start, you uh, you enjoy Hell in a Cell? Yeah, I was surprised. I, you know, with the exception of one match, I thought, well, I'd say one and a half matches. One match I absolutely detested. One match could have been great, but I think they cut it a bit too short. But the yeah. other ones were great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I agree with you. And if you remember when we were doing the interview, or excuse me, the uh, prediction show, I said that the uh, Hell in a Cell is one of those matches that even with bad booking or bad buildup, it always seems to deliver. It's like the rumble. It's like mania. You can always expect some good moments from the cell. And we saw that. And I think we want to start with a match that we both talked about as having some of the better build going into the pay-per-view. I'm glad it was the opener. Uh, it was the cell match because last Friday on SmackDown, they shifted the championship match. Roman Reigns against Rey Mysterio occurred on SmackDown instead of the, the pay-per-view with uh, obviously Roman retaining the uh, story coming out of the, some of the dirt sheets, Benny, uh, we talked about this before we recorded. Apparently uh, Roman Reigns had a, a pr- had a vacation, a holiday with a with his family that was approved. So they bumped the match forward, give him a jump start on that. So uh, that makes sense. I mean, and it, it didn't take away from the story. It was nice to see. Um, interestingly enough, we talked about this too. Uh, SmackDown did well over 2 million including a t- almost 13% bump in the bit in the coveted 18 to 49 demographic. So that cell match clearly helped something and SmackDown has been really the best thing they got going right now. Um, but because now they needed a second match, Bailey and Bianca Belair, they announced on SmackDown two days before the pay-per-view, it was going to be moved to the cell. It was the opening match. Uh, Bianca Belair defending the SmackDown women's title against Bailey. Now I want to start with a criticism and then move into complimenting. I thought the the start of this match was absolutely atrocious, and not for the sake of what Bailey and Bianca Belair were doing with the slow standoff. Bailey had the chair, Bianca twirling her hair. What what killed me was, and I don't know if you caught this or not, the crowd noise did not change. It was the same reaction loop of a few. If it sounded like the same background noise. For this entire moment, they didn't react to any of the spots. They didn't, nothing changed. It, I hate to use the word, Benny, we hate to use the word on the show, but it felt so fake. It was the first time in a long time since they've been in the Thunderdome that I think they, they botched the crowd noise and it really hurt the intro. Now, once they got into really getting going with the match, then the crowd noise started sounding natural again. But they, they reacted. It, it was artificial. I didn't like to start. Going into the match, though, these uh, these two had a great back and forth. I thought it was really well done. Uh, certainly picked up. It saved the beginning. I'm not five minutes into this match. I had already forgotten about my criticism. If I hadn't have written some notes, I don't think I would have drilled on it as hard. Um, I liked they did a callback to last year's Hell in a Cell match where Bailey reached under the ring and she had the pre-taped kendo sticks. I don't know if you remember that from last her, her Hell in a Cell match last year. She tried to tape kendo sticks together, and it didn't work. And it was actually one of the criticisms because they clearly had no backup plan, so they just kind of flubbed their way through what, what they were supposed to do with her tied kendo sticks. So 
you know, I, I give uh, I give the announced team credit for pointing out that Bailey came prepared. Uh, I liked that spot. Obviously, of course, what do they call it? Uh, the the um, the doom spot, as you will. You know, you set up the weapon. You're going to go through it. So, right. Her and her and Bianca went through each other, and then um, there was another spot I really enjoyed. Was Bailey brought a ladder into, or excuse me, the steps into the ring, and she clearly struggled to move the ring steps because they're supposed to be these heavy steel ring steps, right? But then later on, Bianca Belair grabs them. No effort whatsoever. Clearly, it was a good little nod, one of those subtle things that showed how much stronger she is than Bailey. And then, of course, she wins. Um, She hit the she hit her finisher through the ladder, which was set up. I thought that was a great looking spot. It didn't look like a dangerous bump. One, two, three. I think the right woman won. I think the match recovered nicely. And I, I thought it was a good opener. What about you, Benny? Um, so, yeah, I think I think Bianca is she's just starting to realize her potential. She's not there yet. But I think every, you know, through every match and every pay-per-view, she continues to improve. I like the way they used her hair uh, in the beginning. She used it against, you know, defend against the chair. At right. some point, Bailey used it, tied it against the rope. I think Bailey tied it to a chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think at some point, then Bianca tied her hair. The Bailey's wrist, and I guess she used it to clothesline her. Um, yeah, one of the highlights was, and I have yep. it in, in, in italics. Bailey told Michael Cole to shut up. <laughs> I, I gave it a half a point more just because of that. Uh, I, I, I guess somebody did a spine buster through the kendo sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, uh, and the, the, the KOD off the ladder, I thought was a great move. They have they have really good chemistry. They, I, they I gave it a B plus. I, I really. I, I enjoyed it. Like you said, it was kind of a little bit, you know, awkward in the beginning, but um, it just kind of gained momentum throughout the match. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, and I, one thing, I'm glad you mentioned the hair. I didn't even think about that. When we did our WrestleMania review, one of the things I mentioned, that that wonderful spot where Belair whipped Sasha Banks with her hair in the midsection. And Yeah, oh, man. But I pointed out, I said, when she was in NXT, they did a lot of spots with her hair. Ever since she's come up to the main roster, that was the first time it really was the centerpiece of something. Now, they had at the Royal Rumble, the first Women's Royal Rumble, I think it was one of the Bella Twins, was hanging on and grabbed Bianca's hair and pulled herself back into the ring with it. But that was the first time that she really like, hey, my hair is going to be part of the spot here. And then every match since, they've done more and more and more. And it's not a criticism. I think they've been doing great with it, but I'm I'm I wonder if they're gonna I don't know run out. They're eventually gonna run out of ideas, right? How, I mean, how many hair spots can you do? But I liked I liked where you you, you pointed it out when she tied her hair to to Bailey. Um, speaking of uh, you, you commented on Michael Cole. Speaking of Michael Cole, the following match, uh, the next match was Rollins and Cesaro. And my very first note in bold letters is Michael Cole sucks. I think I, we've mentioned that on this show several times. We both I write that out in his. advance. I just I just put, I think it's actually imprinted on my page. I got we, pre-printed. We both dislike his commentary. In this one, in this match, um, he said, I, I, "I get what he was saying, kind of, but his, his way he says things is so dumb." He's Seth Rollins was working on. So he raked Cesaro's eyes and he was kind of going for the eye. And if you remember the whole storyline last year with Seth Rollins taking out uh, 
who was it? It was uh, uh, Ray Ray's eye with the with the literal eye popping out of his head, and he took out he he raked Dominic's eyes on the stairs, and he took Alistair Black's eye out with the stairs. You know, um, Michael Cole said that Seth Rollins has a long history of dealing damage to people with eyes. Really, like, good for you. At least you try. As opposed to the people who don't I, have eyes, you know. I mean, I I get what he was saying. He pro- he meant to like he, <laughs> they, he damaging people's eyes, but he said it with such Michael Cole enthusiasm. Right. He hurts people with eyes. Yes, he does. Thank you, Michael. You contribute so much to the show. At least he didn't botch the finish of every major match like he did in WrestleMania. But um, Rollins hurts people with eyes. No, I thought this match was great. These two really, I, we talked about it last week. They they are incapable of ha- having a bad match with each other. I really think so. In gen, if you put them in the ring with the right opponent, I don't think Rollins or Cesaro can have bad matches. But it was great. I thought it was good back and forth. Um, however, the ending felt a little flat for me. If you remember, uh, Cesaro had started to dominate. He worked the submission. Then he started stomping the arm. He went back for the submission. Seth Rollins rolls him up one, two, three. The surprise roll up wins again. If uh, you know that, that's going to end up being a, a, a overpowered finisher in the next video game. Schoolboy. Yeah, exactly. Move, yeah. But my thing is, I get why they did it. You, you, you want you, Cesaro doesn't look weak. He doesn't look foolish. He doesn't look stupid. Um, Rollins doesn't look strong. He looks like a little weasel. I, I get why they did it that way. But my problem is the buildup. You had just locked in the legs. You had had him in the sharpshooter. You you started stomping the arm. And then in all that motion, Seth Rollins rolls you up. So he just held you down with bad legs, injured back. Well, he, was in a cro- he was in a cross face, too. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me, how many times have we seen matches with Brock Lesnar? I actually made the note where Brock Lesnar is taking a beating and then the guy goes for a third jump. Brock Lesnar catches him and, and hits the F5. Like, just stop selling that he's hurt or that he's in, in any danger. It, Rollins did a good job selling after the match. I just didn't like the surprise roll-up coming after taking such a beating. Um, unfortunately, we'll talk later on in the show, you can also have a surprise roll-up without taking a beating. It looks just as bad. But um, all in all, I thought, that, I thought it was a great match. Uh, really... Start to finish with the good opening, even the the roll up, which I got. I thought it was I I had it marked as match of the night um, to me, or I should say uh, the the gem of the night. We'll talk about match of the night later, uh, but I really enjoyed it. What do you What do you think, Benny? Um, I agree. I gave it an A minus. I downgraded it to the A minus just because of the the finish. Although I think the finish did have a purpose. So in our prediction show, I said something that you know. Seth didn't necessarily need to win, but Cesaro needed not to lose. Exactly. And he did lose, but I think he lost with enough, you know, there was enough, the body, his body of work in the match is right. enough that, that maybe the loss isn't going to really hurt him that much. Um, just a great match. I have a note, Cesaro did a phenomenal job selling. I mean, they threw bombs at each other. And oh, yeah. then, you know, the only thing is, you know, the giant swing, and then you go to, you know, then, he, then to the sharpshooter. And then to the crossface, and then to the sharpshooter, and then all of a sudden he just gets, you know, he gets rolled up, and that's so that that was my only complaint about the match. But I do understand. I'm, I guess I I kind of think, you know, I question why did they go back to this feud because I thought it had kind of played out, and yeah. and I, you know, and then I was worried because uh, um, Cesaro, 
you know, not only did he lose to Roman Reigns, but he took a beat down after the match and being like, the guy's going to go all the way down on the, on the food chain. So maybe this was his way of like, you know, kind of just reestablishing him. Yes, he didn't win, but maybe, I mean, there was enough of a credible performance that I think he's still one of the, you know, the upper mid card guys. Yeah, no, I could, I, I, and with the, with the, say like the money in the bank match that's coming up, I could see Cesaro believably winning that. Absolutely. You know, I don't, he doesn't feel buried. And actually that's one of my notes and I was going to get to later, but we'll talk about it now is I think the natural progression of this feud is to have both Rollins and Cesaro be in the money in the bank match. Kind of like what they did with uh, Ambrose and Rollins all those years ago, or say Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, where you, you extend the feud past hell in a cell into money in the bank by having them both be in the match. That way you don't burn the feud out, but you can still have them fighting. So I, I think that would be a good way to go with this. Uh, moving on from entertaining to what the what the bejeebs. Um, I don't want to say my the first note I have here. I actually wrote this word several times in my notes. I don't want to repeat it on the air. Um, you had Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler, and this was stupid. It was dumb. Uh, it was terrible. It was. Um, it, it really. I mean, I can't. I can't write what I wrote without cursing, but it was awful. Uh, apparently, they're they're really pushing the hypnosis powers that Alexa Bliss has now, where at some point in the match, she stared her way out of a hold by just scaring Shayna Baszler, who, by the way, looks uh, significantly different than the Shayna Baszler dominant NXT two-time women's champion. They really hurt her on the main roster, but... She took over Nia Jax and had Nia Jax slap Reginald. And then, like I said, she stared her way out of a hold. She stared her way into the match. She got control of people. Uh, ended up hitting a very sloppy-looking modified Sister Abigail. Alexa Bliss does that where she cups the back of the head instead and does kind of a DDT. It usually looks good. Hers hit on Shayna did not. And then Twisted Bliss, one, two, three. I mean, this was just dumb and awful, and it's a shame because they had such potential with the Fiend, and they ruined him, and then they passed his Fiend powers to Alexa Bliss after she spit up all that, or that black goo or whatever from her from her crown, uh, and then they gave her powers, and her powers are stupid, and I cannot wait until live crowds come back because... I want to, I really want to see how a live crowd reacts to this because maybe, just maybe, somebody in the back will get the message that this is dumb. If you remember how the crowd at WrestleMania reacted to the Fiend match, yeah, they were not happy with Alexa Bliss. And I don't think, and it's not a knock on her. She's doing what she can with the character. Right. But this is just awful. Benny, back me up here. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I just put this sucks. Uh, this defies the law of physics because it blows and sucks at the same time. Um, and, 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 you know, my, my grade for this one was FR, and the, the, the R is ridiculous, and I'm sure you can figure out what the F is. Right. The, the one question I do have is, who is the heel here? Because if you, look, if you, if you watch Monday Night Raw, yeah. uh, Alexa was teaming with uh, a new like with superhero, uh, Nikki Cross. 
yeah, I was I was going to get into that in our news. Yes, um, that that match confused me. The Money in the Bank qualifier because Nikki Cross is supposed to be a hero. It's her embodiment of the spirit of all the underdogs, and you put her with a possessed demon person yeah, in a tag match. Right. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, but no, I. I it's weird to put somebody like the way the Alexa Bliss character is in a feud with people who spent pretty much most of last year being the dominant heel women on your roster. You know, they were the they were a dominant tag team. They had a lot of good singles matches together or individually, I mean, but as a group, you know, and it's just, uh, I don't get it. I thought it was awful. I thought it was dumb. And hopefully the live crowds rip it to shreds so we can move on. Absolutely. Speaking of moving on to uh, I, this was I, I misspoke earlier. I said gem of the night. This was my match of the night. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. These two, I mean, they have wrestled across the, the, for lack of a better term, across the territories many, many times. Ring of Honor, Kevin Steen and Generico, and they had great battles in NXT. They've had a lot of battles on the on the main roster. This was no different. Great match and. This match did something that we very rarely see. It told a story, and this match had phenomenal ring psychology. If the, go, the, the story going into this match was Kevin Owens was still selling his throat injury from the multiple Nigerian nails he got from Commander Aziz, who had his in-ring debut on SmackDown, looked decent. They clear, they're clearly doing a good job uh, high, uh, letting Apollo do the work in that team, which I think is the right call. But so Owens is selling the throat. He still has a lot of fight left. Sami Zayn is picking his spots. He's doing clotheslines. He's hanging him up. He's going for the throat. Uh, good, great selling the injury. It told a good story. It had that psychology of Kevin being the up and coming, or not up and coming, excuse me, the, the underdog here who's clearly fighting injured. I think Kevin Owen plays a great every man fighting from the bottom character. Kind of, I, I kind of the. The, the 21st century PG-13 Stone Cold, if you will. Um, and then, of course, match had, I thought it had a great ending. Looked like Owens was building up. Sami Zayn with that, that chicken chicken heel pulled him, clotheslined him on the bottom rope, which I thought was a great spot. Haluva kick, one, two, three. Now, interesting to note, it was pointed out after this match, a little comment on Twitter that went viral. This was apparently Sami Zayn's first singles victory since October of last year. Oh, wow. Didn't so, know that. Yeah, they, they, I mean, that whole conspiracy thing, they really put him through the ringer. But this feud is clearly far from over. I think this is another one. If SmackDown, if they do like their, like, like it seems they're building where SmackDown has its own money in the bank. Um, I think you you have Owens and Zayn in the match as well together. With uh, you could have Rollins and Cesaro, Owens and Zayn. There's four right there, and you can tell two different stories simultaneously with what I think will be a great match. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. Match of the night by far, and I, I mean, I said four and a half. wasn't perfect, but four and a half for me. What do you think, Benny? I gave it a solid A. Um, I have a note. Sami Zayn is one of the best sellers. I've ever seen. He just sold his ass off. 
And, you know, I, I think these two guys, like you said, I mean, how many times have they wrestled over the last 15 years? Probably hundreds. Right. And, you know, and I know I might get criticized for saying this, but, you know, in, in the history of the last 30 years or so, you have you had Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich. You had uh, Valentine and Piper as far as, like, long-term feuds. And these guys, like, maybe not quite the same, but, like, they've been carrying on for quite a bit. And Well, they're, you figure they've been on and off feud and, and, and partners when the convenience called for it, you know, since the day Kevin Owens debuted in NXT. So, I mean, these guys have been tied at the hip since the beginning. And I think they've done a great job, both of them. I think, like you said, though, you know, one of the rare instances where like, you know, there was a buildup and, and Owens was clearly injured and he kept, you know, kept uh, holding his neck and he was short of breath and coughing and, Right, you know, I, and you know they made a point of saying, you know, you're still feeling the effects of those Nigerian nails, <clears throat> and then I guess uh, Sammy nailed him with a, you know, flip off the, the you know, threw off the rope and uh, hit him in the arm, and he was selling that for a while too. Just, just a, like you said, <clears throat> you know, great, great psychology, uh, great storyline. I enjoy this thoroughly. I completely agree, <laughs> and. You know, I can't help but but wonder where, like, where do you go? I mean, obviously, the, this has been going on for years, but, like, I, I wonder where you go from here in that, what's the long-term payoff going to be? Kevin Owens, clearly, he's going to stun Sami Zayn out of his soul and and win the match. That's that's the big blow-off. I'm just curious when you do it. I, I'd be interesting to see. Uh, plus, I mean, they both have a lot where they can do side projects, you know, intercontinental title tag matches, whatever, and still kind of back and forth in the background, be at each other's throats. You know that you can always put these two guys on and they're going to steal the show. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the fans will never get tired of it. This is, this is, you know, uh, I'd say, but you look at like NXT with, (coughs) excuse me, with, uh, like Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. I mean, they, they wrestled, what, 1,500 times in like three years? Right. And the crowds loved and ate every single second of it. It was just nonstop. But when you're that like good them. at what they do, it's, you know, you, you got to enjoy it. Exactly. Speaking of the feud that just won't die, the next match is uh, Rhea Ripley was defending her Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte. In a move that surprised both of us quite thoroughly. I know we were both very shocked when it was announced. Charlotte Flair received a title match. And uh, I thought this match really disappointed me for two reasons. One, I made a note that I last year at Mania, Empty Arena Mania, or excuse me, two years ago, Empty Arena Mania, Charlotte Rhea Ripley for the NXT title, women's title, I thought was match of the weekend. It was, in my opinion, I thought it was the best match of the, on the card. My problem is Charlotte should not have won that match. Ever since then, then, then Rhea Ripley kind of lost her direction. She have found a little bit. I think it hurt her, and it really started to sour me to Charlotte being the almost, I hate to use a comparison, but almost 2000s Triple H where... I, I, I didn't want to see her lose. I just got tired of seeing her in the main event. You know, there was a point um, during the 
you know, you, you the the McMahon Helmsley storyline and the Authority storyline and blah blah blah. Whereas just it was every week it was some combination of Triple H in the title match, and it got it got repetitive. And and the fans, I mean, thankfully they 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 corrected the ship with Orton and and Cena and all that. But um, I I, I want I started with that note. I was kind of sour to begin with. Um, I thought the match had good back and forth. These two have great chemistry. These two can always deliver if they want to. But I took more points off this match for its ending. I get that they're trying to push uh, maybe Rhea in another direction, I guess. I don't know. But this match ended when Charlotte was hunched over the announce table. Rhea Ripley pulled the the, the lip, that, that, that you know, colored lip on the announce table up, and hit Charlotte in the face with it did, and got disqualified. Which I wrote two things about. One, I've seen that spot countless times. I've seen people get slammed through the table, face slammed on the table, suplexed onto the table. It is never a disqualification. I I thought about this. I genuinely thought about it. And I could not come up with the last time I remember seeing somebody get disqualified for using the announce table during a match. It's just one of those things you just kind of expect to see. It's like 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 Irish whipping somebody into the stairs. It's just one of those things that you just know is is not a disqualification anymore. So it felt weak. It felt rushed. Um, and the other problem is this goes to the comment you had in the Bliss Baszler match. I don't know. I don't know what the hell was going on because Rhea hit that moment. It seemed desperation, but then it's like, give me my belt. I'm out of here. Ha ha. I won. I'm keeping my title even though you beat me. And she just went full blown heel, right? But then Charlotte's still talking smack. As the, the, I mean, are are they both heels now? Because Charlotte's certainly not the face. Is 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 Rhea the tweener who will do anything to keep her belt? I just I don't get where they're going with this. It was silly, and, and it made no sense, and it really hurt what what could have been a good match. I gave it a I gave it a C plus. I it just it failed to deliver. It, it it had so much potential and it fell so far short. And I'm like you. I mean, how many times has that maneuver been done? You know, with the table, any kind of variation, like you know, you right getting thrown through the table. I mean, using the table in so many different ways, never a disqualification. Why now? I mean, I guess I kind of understand that they they needed. They wanted to do some kind of false, you know, some a bogus finish to prolong yeah. the feud. But like, you should they they could have came up with a way better way of doing it than that. And I'm kind of the same way as you. Like my my other note was who's the heel here? Because again, that was a heel move by Rhea getting her belt. You know, saying I'm out of right. here. Then you got you know Charlotte in the ring saying, uh, "You're learning, bitch." Yeah, which is clearly a heel. You know, it, promo. This this reminded me of. If you remember from a few years back, before he left long-term, John Cena was feuding with Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. And Bray Wyatt kept trying to get John Cena to hit him with a chair, hit him with the shovel. You know, like, like do it, John. Turn to the dark side. And, of course, John Cena, you know, through the power of goodness, ended up beating him at Mania, which don't even be started on why that shouldn't happen. But, um I, this reminds me of that. It's almost like Charlotte is trying to turn Rhea heel to prove a point, I guess, to look, you're just as bad as I am. You're, 
you know, I'm not I'm not a villain. Any woman who's the champion will act the way I did when I had the title. Like I don't the the problem is that level of psychology doesn't fit the character that Charlotte has played in the last five years. She's not a master manipulator. She's a I mean, she she can manipulate her way into title matches, but she's the silver spoon. Vince gave me the shot, but I won it. I won the match fair and square. You know, she beat Oscar. She beat Rhea at Mania. You know, she Charlotte doesn't need that evil manipulator character. I don't get what they're doing here. It almost feels like they're building to a double turn, but at the same time, it almost also feels like almost like she's recruiting Rhea. I I just I don't get it. To me, it doesn't make any sense. But I'm not going to give up. Uh, I think that one line, though, might be significant. The you're learning, bitch. Maybe there's some meaning to that. Yeah, I I agree. And this week's Raw, the Raw from Monday this week, was uh, I thought it was the best Raw I'd seen in months. So if that's the right direction they're going, I'll give whatever the hell is happening here a shot. Um, of course, now they're they're building up to the women's Money in the Bank match. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, interesting, though, I did make a note here. Uh, this was the this was the fifth match on the card. Only six matches tonight, and <clears throat> the opening match up to this point was the only match that was clean. Rollins hit the surprise roll up. Yes, that's not a dirty finish, but it definitely wasn't wasn't clean. Even one, two, three. Uh, Bliss and Baszler, she used super um, magic powers to win, so that wasn't clean. <clears throat> Kevin Owens was already hurt. Yes, Sami Zayn hit his finisher one, two, three, but he was fighting a bat a week, Kevin Owens. And then this match ends in a DQ. And, of course, we'll talk about the ending in the next match, but this card was very much everybody gets protected. <clears throat> Outside of Bailey, clearly being, I mean, there's no, there's nowhere else you go with that. She's done challenging Baszler, I think. Every feud continues. Nobody looks terribly weak. I mean, clearly we are, and we already saw it. Uh, spoiler alert for Raw this week. Um, Charlotte said, hey, I, I want another title shot. She got it. I guess money in the bank now, which I thought, <clears throat> I figured they were going to save it for SummerSlam, but Rhea and Charlotte part four? I guess five is going to happen at money in the bank. So, uh, but moving on to the main event, <clears throat> this is a match you and I, this is one of the matches we disagreed on as on our prediction show, which uh, unrelated side note, Benny, I won just saying, you know, um, <clears throat> so uh, not, not that, not that it, not that I'm the kind of person that would bring that up nah. <clears throat> just just in case, you know, I don't know how accurate your notes were. You know, I just want to give you the heads up that, you know, I, I, I got the prediction on you cause you got me last time. So we got to be even. Sure. We, we uh, go to the main event here, Lashley and McIntyre, with the stipulation. And this is why you and I disagreed. The stipulation is if McIntyre loses this match, he does not get any title shots as long as Bobby Lashley is still champion. So they get in, lock up in the, in the cell. And I thought this match, it was great physical stuff. This is, what, what, are they, what do they used to call it back then? A Haas match. Just two big, tough guys just beating the crap out of each other. Um MVP proved he belongs with the big boys. I thought his interference spot was great. He plays a great manager foil. Uh, of course, then he and he can still take bumps. So he gets in the ring. He he eats the uh, eats the claymore. 
You know, um, I love the spot where he kind of finagled his cane, where he was having trouble getting the cane through the hole in the the cell, but he ends up giving it to Bobby. And that was the turning point because Lashley used the cane on McIntyre. Uh, I said MVP, great in the manager role. Um, The spot with the with the ladder set up at ringside. And then, of course, they they set up the tables in the corners. And, you know, I mean, that's that's a, a Chekhov's gun right there. You don't set up a table like that unless somebody's going through it eventually. And they did. I loved the spot, too, where <clears throat> McIntyre kind of did the roll into the table. I thought that was great. Um, I just it, This was a great match. And then the last two minutes. Um, I think uh, this, I had this match. If you take the last two minutes away as a, a I, I put it a, a minus category <clears throat> with the last two minutes, I think it bumps it down to a B plus just because I really didn't like the ending. This was, what did you call it earlier, Benny? The, uh, the surprise roll up of doom, you know, um, obviously it gets interfered. So, and, and of all things, a, a roll up, one, two, three. Schoolboy. The old schoolboy. Yep. So you now had your every your opening match was a clean win. Every other match on this card kept the storyline going. Now, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one, the reason I didn't like the schoolboy finish, other than the fact that it really, the surprise roll-up I think is done to death, um, is... McIntyre has really Drew McIntyre has done nothing in the month in the last few months except lose and get beat up. And now here, this is your moment. This is your definitive moment to to I am I'm gonna defy all the odds. You get distracted easily and get beat with a roll-up. You already look like a moron at, at Mania by getting distracted by MVP yelling, right? And then you lose at Mania to the hurt lock, which don't get me wrong, they've built that up. But but the main event at WrestleMania ends with a full Nelson. Like you, you're really Drew McIntyre has been punked out the last few months, and I, I think it's starting to hurt his character. So what are your thoughts here, Benny? Um, my notes. I mean, it's a it's it's very well developed feud. You know, good storyline behind it. My note is, you know, Bobby Lashley really. You know, I, I I've thought for months. You know, Lashley's kind of just temporary, but. He's getting better and better as a champion. My note is he looks like a champion. Right. He's definitely embraced it. The the stare down before the match was epic. I mean, it. I said this felt like a world heavyweight champion. Like I know. Yeah. Like Ali Frazier, like a boxing match. Ab- These two titans. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and then like you said, I mean, Drew hits the claymore. The MVP interferes. Great. You know, great, great move. Um, it. I totally agree with you, though. You know, I, my notes are Drew got he got two DDTs on a chair. He got uh, thrown off the, the ring apron onto a table. He uh, got the uh, the stair steps, and he got caned about a million times where his back was, like, striped. I did see he, and those then, pictures. I mean, he survives all that, and then he gets rolled up with a schoolboy. <laughs> yeah. The power of the schoolboy. You know, right. I told you, that's the deadliest finisher in wrestling the last 10 years or so. Surprise just, roll. That, that was a big letdown. If they could have did a little bit of a better ending than that. I mean, otherwise, it was a phenomenal match. I mean, the whole match was great. You know, it's funny. I mentioned earlier when I saw the, uh, I said I, I couldn't remember. I thought and I thought and I thought and I couldn't remember the last time a, a, 
announced table spot ended, you know, was, was interference, or excuse me, ended as DQ. When I saw the surprise roll up, I made a note. I said, again, the surprise roll felt flat. I sat down and I thought about it. And I, I remembered, I did this one. I remembered the moment that I realized that the, like, like the, the moment I started paying attention to how bad the surprise roll up can end a match was of all things. It was a raw Hulk Hogan was defend. He, during his second run, the Hulkamania still lives run. He had won the title from triple H and was defending it on raw against Chris Jericho. It was a good match. Obviously, Jericho really, I mean, at that point in his career, didn't have bad ones. And Triple H, who was kind of the third wheel, and you know, with The Undertaker, there was a multi-man feud, distracted Jericho, and Hogan rolled him up. Now, no disrespect to Hulk Hogan, but his schoolboy looked awful. And I remember thinking that was the moment where I was like, wait a minute, they just did this the other day. And I, ever since then, I've paid attention to how many times it's happened. So that was I remembered that one. A little fun side story for you. But, but even um, like do a, do a superstar Billy Graham, put your feet on the ropes, like we're at least yeah, like you know, exactly do that. Like that was, make it count a little bit. That was early, early Kurt Angle. Oh, I just I just talked. I, I just said something bad about Hulk Hogan. My wife came in and threw her wedding ring at me. So, okay, it's over. Benny, uh, how, you you got you got a couch I can come sleep on, right? I do, yeah, yeah, I do. Awesome. Okay, uh, you have uh, Florida. That's I don't know how. Well, if I leave tonight. I'll be there tomorrow. You'd be like by three in the morning, maybe. <laughs> Drive like fast, <laughs> right? So for uh, for for those that are listening at home, yes, my my wife is a is a big Hulk Hogan fan, so I I, I have to press a uh, put the preface on anything any any level of criticism. But um, no, honestly, even with and this is the this is the thing that kills me, even with these notes and most of my notes are negative because that's just the way I was taking them. I still gave this show a B, B plus it. It was still the good parts were better than the worst parts, except the whole Alexa Bliss thing. I thought that was terrible, but I'll block that out. That's like, you know, anytime that comes on, just I don't even calculate that into the final score anymore. But I mean, like the Ron Cesaro match, I didn't like the ending, but I'm not going to hurt a, a four and a half star match for a, 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 an ending that I understood as a, from the booking standpoint. Same thing with like uh, uh, same thing with Rhea and Charlotte, same thing with Lashley and McIntyre, which now I'm going to ask you something. The rumor is that the, the, the SummerSlam, they're building up to SummerSlam is uh, the there's rumblings of a return of Brock Lesnar. So let me ask you something, Benny. You're you're the WWE. Brock Lesnar comes back to challenge for the title at SummerSlam. Who would you rather have as champion, Lashley or McIntyre? Uh, you know, right now I I would say Lashley. He just guys on a roll. I can't. And, and you have that factor with MVP. Yeah, and he just he just brings it up another level. <clears throat> I thought with the you know with the you know the reduction of the hurt level that the hurt business rather. That that would hurt them, but I mean, MVPs just take. He's just the guy's great. Yeah, I mean, I it's a shame what they did with the hurt business, but naturally transitioning to now now they've got the women, you know, and, and I mean really not just physique, 
but but the with with the with the tights, I like the black the black pants that he's wearing. I really think this is the best Bobby Lashley has ever looked as far as his professional wrestling career. And that goes to the times in TNA when he was their heavyweight champion. I think he looks better. His demeanor is better. His pairing with MVP just gives him that little extra something. And anytime you're going to do a snarky, kind of cocky heel champion, he's coming to the ring surrounded by beautiful women. That just adds another layer to that character. I think, you know, it's one of these deals where I think they probably had, you know, in mind he was going to hold the title for X amount of time. And that was the whole argument with Billy Graham. You know, you know, Vince McMahon said, OK, you're going to win the title from Bruno on this date. You're going to lose the back one on this date. But in the meantime, like, you know, we had that debate with with Evan and, and Nikita. The guy did so good. How do you take the title off him? You know, I think it's kind right. of the same thing here. The, the guy's like doing so well. Why would you take it off him at this point? Yeah, no, you wouldn't. I think. I mean, you've built up Lashley. If you continue to build up Lashley, SummerSlam, maybe. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if you go to maybe the uh, the Survivor Series, maybe the the, the the Rumble next year, even Mania next year. You if now is the time if you're going to have the conquering face finally take down Lashley, you do it in front of the biggest crowds you can. That don't have Lashley lose the title on Raw or lose the title at some D-list pay-per-view or heaven forbid in Saudi Arabia or something where no one cares. And and no disrespect to Lesnar, but I don't want to see him lose the title to some part-time veteran either. The way the way that that when that when Goldberg came back and you're like, "Oh crap, the the only reason you put the belt on the Fiend was to have a heel for Goldberg to beat." You know, um and then how do you like how do you book Lesnar without Paul Heyman? Exactly. Which, you, you, I mean, you could have Paul Heyman bounce back and forth. Remember, he was the Paul Heyman was 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 in charge of Raw until recently. So, um, I maybe I don't know. Bounce back and forth. It'd be hard now that you're going to go back on the road. Poor guys expected to be at SmackDown and Raw when they're in two different cities. You know, right? But uh, I don't know. We'll see. It'd be interesting to see how that goes. Um, all in all, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. Even with the criticisms, um, it definitely the biggest thing I will have to say about this is this is one of those pay-per-views that reminds me that there's too many pay-per-views. You know, you and I both re- grew up in the right eras, you more than me, but the when there's four maybe even even peak WWF WCW era when you have six maybe seven shows, you know, you've got two months, three months to build up to a pay-per-view. You can't you can't build a pay-per-view in a few weeks. And when, when you have 13, 14 pay-per-views a year, they some of them have to be shows like this where, yes, you can have good matches, but nothing happened as far as title changes, as far as ending storylines, as far as driving new new character development. This show went through the motions. Then you had the following Raw, which I thought was great, and now you're right into the build-up for Money in the Bank. So, yeah, I, I I liked it, but it's one of those things that I continue to hold the belief that I think there's too many pay-per-views, and I sometimes like a show like this could have been great if it had been two or three more weeks of build, and then the next pay-per-view is is SummerSlam, where you've got now now a month and a half to build up, two months to build up to SummerSlam. 
I mean, you literally have to transition right into the next build, like immediately on the next yeah, rock. And there's parts of the year where where the, you have a pay-per-view and three weeks later, there's another event. Yeah, how do you build you, for that? You can't. You, you end up having to have shows that just go through the motions. And right. that's exactly, I mean, I, this show by no means just check some boxes, let's go home. It's. I mean, these guys work their, and girls work their asses off. But I, I don't know. I, I, I still enjoyed it. I recommend it if you uh, people want to catch up on things. Speaking of uh, moving through, um, we mentioned at the top of the show the the raw following. I thought it was one of the better raws I've seen in months, and I mean that months. However, um, viewership did not improve. Raw's ratings still stank. Uh, they had a cell match. Bobby Lashley against Xavier Woods in the cell to end Raw, uh, which I think is the first time I remember somebody wrestling two cell matches in two days back-to-back. Bobby Lashley, of course, won that one handedly. But it didn't help Raw's ratings. However, last week, SmackDown, Rey Mysterio against Roman Reigns, who is the best. Roman Reigns is the face of the company right now, if you ask me. No offense to Lashley. Um... SmackDown ratings improved significantly. They did well over 2 million, including a 12, almost 13% bump. <coughs> Excuse me, in the uh, 18 to 49, that coveted wrestling demographic. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's uh, hope on the horizon, Benny. I know recently one of the stories out there, uh, Vince McMahon, I guess, admitted that he understands the product is stale. And I'll be honest with you. You you told me before we started recording this is the first time you've watched Raw in a while, like kind of straight through. This show felt like it was run by someone else. I'm not saying it was. I don't know if it was if there maybe they had somebody else in the writers' room. I don't know, or maybe shoot, maybe uh, maybe old brother Love took the night off and Paul Heyman was running things. I don't know, but this sh- Raw this week felt fresh, new. It felt like somebody else was in charge or at least they were going a different direction and it, the quality showed. So I give them that. Some nice upsets too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really like where they're going with the money in the bank build. I'm going to have, I can't wait for that show when you and I do our money in the bank predictions. Cause those are always fun. I don't think um, <laughs> I imagine if we had done it previously, I don't think either of us would have picked Otis, but uh it's going to be interesting to see. And, of course, this will be the first time since he's been on the main roster uh, because of his injury, the first injury he's ever suffered. Another little side fact. The first time since he's been on the main roster that The Miz is not involved in the, the Money in the Bank match or at least in the qualifying buildup to it. Uh, he was champ going into Mania a couple years ago, but he still kind of interfered because he was feuding with Cena. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. So. I, I really hope I have a lot of hope for because you've got some really good mid card feuds happening right now, and good mid card feuds are what the money in the bank thrives on. <clears throat> yeah, for once there's hope. I would say that you know there's there's some hope. It's like wow, this is I can actually watch this. This wasn't you know. Sometimes I feel like watching it is like eating Brussels sprouts. You know, I, I want to be informed for the podcast, but like. So I'll watch it out of obligation. But this one I watched, it's like, wow, this wasn't bad, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, my 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 wife gives me flack for that sometimes because I watch SmackDown and I enjoy it, and it's obvious I'm I'm raw sometimes. I'm like you, unfortunately, I I, I can't sit through the three hours, so I just kind of peruse the the highlights or maybe the the ninety minute Hulu version, and then I go back and double check anything I need to miss, or excuse me, uh, need to catch. I was shocked, you know, when when Drew lost to Riddle. That was like the shocker for me. Yeah, and that goes to what I was saying. There's Drew McIntyre losing again. Yeah, now Riddle. They they built up. I, they did a good job telling the story, kind of like they did with Owens and Zayn, where McIntyre was hurt during the match, you know, and he fought back. But yeah, and I think that, that was a great look for Riddle, especially with Orton having lost previously in the night. So I think I think Riddle can he can be one of those guys that can be the sleeper star of a Money in the Bank match. So I look forward to it. But um, yeah, other than that, I mean the the week in wrestling news been pretty pretty straightforward. Like I said, with the top of the hour, top of the show, we had the unfortunate news, Mister Wonderful. Um, we've had some a uh, couple of little side stories coming and going um, as far as, as ratings and we'll see where, where things go. Uh, <laughs> we, we talked to, um, you know, some, some friends of the show that we have coming up and, and some of their opinions and we, the brigade keeps growing. We keep getting involved. Speaking of friends of the show, before we, we wrap up here, Benny, I want to do a quick shout out the uh, lost treasures show that WWE has been working with a and E where the uh, wrestlers have gone and found their old gear and their old merchandise and whatnot. Uh, that series concluded with the Ric Flair episode, which I recommend go watch. If you haven't seen it, it's great, but special shout out friend of the show, uh, George Pontas. He's still our top rated. The review with George is still our number one rated and downloaded episode. Um, but he was in the credits for the show because obviously you cannot talk about Ric Flair without talking about the man who recorded most most of his famous moments. And his name popped up in the credits. Uh, George deserves it. Good for him. And uh, shout out. I look forward to seeing him here in July. George will be he's the uh, commissioner of our VCW, the local Virginia championship wrestling. And I, I he's been the heart and soul of that company for a long time. So. I look forward to that. But, yeah, George, shout out to him on the show. And like I said, that Lost Treasures, if you haven't seen it, I suggest go to see it. Um, Vice also, Dark Side of the Ring, they wrapped up the first half of their season. And Vice recently aired their China documentary, which I recommend. However, a little caveat, it is very emotional. It is, and in a bad way, not... Not that it's a bad documentary. It's phenomenal. I recommend it. But it's one of those, you, that, I mean, the WWE failed her. The, the, the system failed her. The healthcare system failed her. Society and her fans. China, she, she really, that documentary really kind of opens your eyes to the bad rap that she got when you realize the hands, some of the hands that she was dealt. She handled them probably better than most people would have. And still, she kind of, some of the spin, spin doctors got the better of her reputation. But yeah, it, it's heartbreaking to see, especially knowing that it was the film crew 
during the filming of that documentary, it was the film crew that found her after she had had passed away. They were, you know, hey, Joni, you home? Anybody? Oh, shit. Body on the floor, you know? Um, so, I mean, to know that 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 a lot of the the open heart-to-heart moments she had with the camera were the last, kind of like Benny, you mentioned it, I think, a couple weeks ago with the Ultimate Warrior, his his speech being kind of the meaning more knowing it was the last thing he ever said to his fans, you know, um, same thing with China and hearing her talk and hearing some of these, it's like, Oh shit. That's the last things that she's saying to people. It, it just hurts that much more. It's great, but it's very emotional. Right. So I recommend that if you haven't seen it and to the brigade and other fans out there, if you haven't seen it, check it out. <clears throat> but on a more positive light, Benny, um, why don't you, uh, we got a couple of good shows coming up. She, uh, yeah, hype I'm, up I'm really excited about the next one. Uh, we have the and this. He's a true legend. The Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. The man wrestled in seven decades. All He was a star in so many different territories. He was in the WWA with Dick the Bruiser. He was a huge star in Memphis with uh, Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. He was, you know, obviously in the... the uh, the Carolinas, Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW, and when he was in WWF with uh, you know the Valiant Brothers, and I'm sure if Nikita Brezhnikov, our good friend, is listening, he will give this a thumbs up. You know, they don't really get mentioned when you talk about some of the, you know when when you hear like who's the greatest teams of all time. You know, people always say you know Rogue Warriors and you know uh, Demolition. You watch some of the Valiant Brothers matches from the mid '70s; they were phenomenal. So, um, you know, he, he just a great guy. He runs a wrestling school, I think, in Shawsville, uh, Virginia. Uh, and like I said, uh, and I don't think he'll uh, accept my challenge. Well, he actually did wrestle in the 2020s. I, um, you know, I was I was just about to say, Benny, last time we had a, a legend of that caliber on the show, you challenged him to a fight. So you're not going to. You're not going to yeah. challenge Jimmy Valiant. No, it was supposed you? to actually happen tomorrow, so no mistake at the lake, no polenta, but I'll, I'll, I'll live. Now, Jimmy Valiant already wrestled in the 2020s, I think. Um, God bless him. The guy's, I think, 78, still going strong. Just a great guy. Loves wrestling. Loves his fans. Very charismatic. Great book. I think it's called Woo Mercy Daddy. I have it, uh, an autographed copy in my room. I might brush up on it just to be better prepared, but great, great. It's going to be a really fun podcast. And then the next week we have Ron Shaw, who wrestled in the WWF in the early 80s. And he's got two of his signature victories. One was over David San Martino, which was one of the biggest upsets uh, of the 80s. And he also has a, has a win over Jay Strongbow. So um, looking forward to Ron. You know, Ron really... You don't really hear a whole lot about Ron, but Ron was solid. Ron, you know, Ron put on some really good matches. So I'm I'm sure that we're, you know everybody's going to enjoy that one as well. Oh yeah, no, we we've got a lot of good stuff coming up, Benny. I know you you really went above and beyond booking some of these shows, and, and so you're giving the fans what they want. And again, we wouldn't be here without them. The brigade keeps growing. Six eighty four. Loving it. We're having, say again. Six hundred eighty four strong. There you go. Wait, what what did you say your goal was? Fourth of July. Uh, my goal. Well, I was gonna. I, I wanted to be at. 624 by my birthday, June 24th. We already smashed that one. And then I thought, well, maybe uh, 704 by July 4th, 704. I yeah. think we're going to we're gonna hit that pretty easily as well. There you go. Well, keep growing. Like I said, uh, uh, outward and upward. We wouldn't be here without them, and it's half the fun. Um, 
So, Dan, you can find us anywhere, uh, Dan and Benny, anywhere podcasts are listened to, Dan and Benny in the Ring. That includes now our friends at Apple. We worked through the technicality. We are back on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it was just a, a oddly, of oddly and of all things, a, a technical glitch with a link to, to an email. So, <clears throat> thanks to Apple for really helping us out with that one. Um, anywhere podcasts are listened to, Dan and Benny in the Ring on Facebook. For the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spasciano. It's been a great night. Uh, Have a good night, everybody, and as always, happy wrestling. Night, folks.